They didn't get it. They didn't understand the issues that women were facing or they didn't see them as issues. Because women had, in their minds, women had a place and it wasn't where Ruth Ginsburg was suggesting that it ought to be. Men and women are persons of equal dignity and they should count equally before the law. You won't settle for putting Susan B. Anthony on the new dollar. (laughs) (laughs) When they would say things like this, how did you respond? Well, never in anger, as my mother told me. That would have been self-defeating. Always as an opportunity to teach. I did see myself as kind of a kindergarten teacher in those days because the judges didn't think sex discrimination existed. Well, one of the things I tried to plant in their minds was think about how you would like the world to be for your daughters and granddaughters. The gender line helps to keep women not on a pedestal, but in a cage. One of the things that I'm struck by as I look back on it is how unprepared the defendants were to fight back. We won because the strategy was brilliant. We won because we were smart and prepared and we fought hard. You couldn't miss what Ruth was doing during the 70s. She was creating uh, a legal landscape. That's a clip from the documentary RBG, a film about Ruth Bader Ginsburg that had its DC premiere at the Washington Jewish Film Festival. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. The Washington Jewish Film Festival is one of the world's largest and oldest Jewish festivals. Over the course of 10 days, some 70 international films that center on Jewish life are shown in D.C. and Maryland, many with talkbacks or panel discussions. Some short films are seen in a pub crawl as bars turn themselves into theaters and the audience moves from one establishment to another to watch a film, drink some beer, and discuss. Ilya Tovbis has been directing the Washington Jewish Film Festival since 2012, and under his leadership, it's grown in scope and diversity. And the range of films is astonishing, from documentaries like RBG and Remember Baghdad to evocative narratives like Hungary's Budapest Noir and The Last Suit, a film from Argentina. And then there was the closing night hybrid of documentary and narrative, The Invisibles, a haunting film from Germany. In fact, it was the diversity of films that started me wondering, what makes a Jewish film a Jewish film? A question I put to Ilya Tovbis. Simply, it's content. Um, It has to have something deliberately to do with the Jewish experience, culture, history, which is a malleable concept. I think when you get into the reality of it, it can be a little bit complicated. Some films are very clear and on the nose, and they're clearly about a Jewish period in history, have entirely Jewish characters, and others it's a little bit more of a diffuse matter of identity. And I think the festival is meant to be a broad tent encompassing all of the above. What I always say is the litmus test for us is if whatever the Jewish element is were removed from the film, it would be substantially different. Well, you kind of spoke to that now, but I'm curious what you're looking for when you look for films for the festival and where you do the looking. Um, the where we do the looking is really as many places that exhibit film as possible. So we look at all sorts of other film festivals. 
We look at films as they're in production. We're talking to filmmakers, um, distributors, sales agents. Um, and we also get a fair amount of submissions. At this point, it's a pretty well-known festival. We just completed our 28th year. So a lot of people that are interested in a showcase in the nation's capital are interested in showing the festival and they get in touch with us and we get several hundred submissions each year of people wanting to show in the festival. So we combine those two. We try to really see as many as we can. We consider something like 1,200 submissions for what ends up being 70, 80 films in a given year. We already talked about what makes a Jewish film a Jewish film. What else are you looking for in the films that you choose for this festival? In terms of once you get past that first filter of do we consider it to be Jewish content, we're then first and foremost looking for quality. And that's obviously incredibly subjective, maybe even more so than the Jewish element, but we wanted to have high production values and originality of voice. And that originality also taps into diversity, which is incredibly important for us. What we're looking to do is to paint with this broader brush, to give a sense of Jewish communities throughout the world and Jewish communities from different perspectives, um, whether that be younger voices, female voices, minority communities, all of whom have a lot to say about the Jewish community that's either in their backyard or all the way across the world from them. So having as representative a program of quality cinema is really our aim. We really want everything under the sun. We want everything from the first uh, short that might be a student film to a career filmmaker that's very well regarded and known on their fifth effort in making you know, a large canvas film. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you, that that mixture of established voices and emerging voices. You, you want a mixture of that as much as a mixture of narrative and documentaries mm-hmm. and, and shorts. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, for us, again, while we consider 1,200 films for some 70 slots, if you look at a major international film festival like a Sundance, a Toronto, Berlin, of course, they dwarf those figures. So our biggest filter is the Jewish and beyond that, I think the most important is the quality. And so that, that really gets you down to, you know, a, a few hundred films still. And at that point, I think you're really molding the clay to get as diverse as possible. You don't want three or four stories that are really cleanly hitting on, on the same topic or that aren't giving any sort of new perspective on that topic. And you're looking to, uh, you know, as you say, it's narrative, it's documentary, it's length, it's who the teller is, it's who they're telling to, it's from what perspective. Is it visually innovative? Is it innovative from the way it's written, if it's a narrative, or even a documentary? Is it scripted in a way that's perhaps different than its predecessors? Who's the audience for your film festival? Um, It's a good question. So we have been around, again, for a while, and so we have, I think, several audiences. If you separate the strands, we, of course, have a very large and dedicated following amongst the Jewish community. But for me, very importantly, that is not our target audience in any sort of exclusive way. What I always say is we're a festival of the Jewish community, not for the Jewish community. It's not to say we're not for the Jewish community, of course. But for me, I think we consider ourselves, you know, one of the premier showcases of international cinema through a Jewish lens in the D.C. region. So we want cinephiles. We want people interested in culture. We want people interested in individual through lines or topics that are covered by a number of films in the festival. So if somebody's interested in Argentinian cinema, I hope they seek out our festival. If somebody is interested in films by female filmmakers, that's about half of what we show any given year. This year, we also had a theme called Starring Wonder Women, particularly focusing on women that have 
broken through the mold in whatever industry they were in. Um, we had a couple that were in the legal field. Um, we had artists. We had people in the military. And so I think if you're interested in any of those individual topics, what my hope is that you regard our festival as a place that's done that sifting for you and that what you're going to see is high quality. So if what you're interested in is high quality film, you can find that at the Jewish Film Festival. If you're interested in high quality Argentinian cinema, great. If you're interested in legal heroes of our time, whether they be a Supreme Court justice or a major lawyer that's defending you know, what's come to be known as the Me Too movement and the survivors of sexual abuse, then you come to the festival as well. And for me, I think we draw our strength from all of those strands. And similar to how we're looking for diversity in what we put on screen, we're ideally looking for, and quite honestly, where we've seen the growth in our attendance has been from outside of the Jewish community, a younger demographic and people that are interested in the subjects that are on screen. Not to put you on the spot, I swear, but I'm curious. Washington is so racially diverse and in the films, and I only saw four or five, so granted, not that many, but the audience was really white. Mm -hmm. And for especially the last film, where it was a packed house mm -hmm. for The Invisibles, a film that was extraordinary. I liked every film I saw, but that film I have not stopped talking about. And it really, it hurt my heart that it was such a white audience because I felt like, oh my God, everybody needs to see this film. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering about what you can do to reach out mm -hmm. to the people in this very racially diverse city to see something that's part of a Jewish film festival. Sure. I mean, it, it's definitely a challenge. I don't think you're wrong to point it out. I do think on the bigger nights, I do think we get a slightly different demographic, which we track pretty carefully on the bigger evenings. They tend to be higher priced. They're a little bit harder to get into. And they do tend to be more of sort of our core traditional audience. Our core traditional audience is whiter and older than the audience we've been developing. I don't think we're all the way there. And I think racially, it's a good point. Um, I think is the slowest element of developing. We've gotten a lot more diverse in terms of economic background. We've gotten a lot more diverse in terms of age. Again, neither of those categories are we there. And we do track ethnic and racial makeup. And, and you're right, it's, it's the least diverse element of the festival. It has very, very slowly been developing. Um, I think where we're looking to and I think where we found some success is both in the programming. I think when we concentrate on putting people on screen and stories on screen that aren't necessarily white, we're hoping that we're attracting minority communities and communities of color that might be interested in that content. And you can find that from our opening night film about an African-American man to Which was films Sammy about Davis Sammy Jr. Davis yeah. Jr. to films about... Shalom Bollywood, which dealt with the Indian Jewish community to films that happened in Japan with The Strangest Stranger and, um, and so on. And so we're, we're trying to get further out. So we're hoping that we will with time. And I do think this is one of those slow developing. I don't think there's a magic bullet no, I don't think there is solution either. where, you know, overnight we're going to be able to tap into an audience. And you're right. D.C. is a very diverse city and our festival is not as reflective of that. And I think it's something we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of what we're trying to do. And I think we've sort of taken the first step. The first step that we took a few years back and we've really committed to is we want the festival, like I said a few minutes ago, to be not exclusively for the Jewish community. Even most of the ways in which we talk about the film, in which we brand the film festival, in which we do the website, 
And we try to target it towards a broad audience, uh, meaning a non-Jewish audience. And a lot of the outreach we do are, you know, we have a series of films that are rated LGBTQ. And so we're looking to the queer community and the queer newspapers and queer media to cover that. Similarly, for the Latin American films, I think we've made some good connections with um, Latino media. And I think that's really the way you have to do it piece by piece. And But I do think a lot of it goes back to programming. I think it would be easy to constantly concentrate on one story that has sort of been the dominant story of Eastern European Judaism, which was one that was covered in large part in the Closing Night film and Invisibles as well. And it's not something that we're going to eschew or not cover, but I think we very aggressively are interested in bringing in stories and focusing on stories that are of minority communities. Even within something like Israel, a lot of the folks of the festival and one of the ways in which we differentiate ourselves quite clearly from even other Jewish exhibitions and other big Jewish exhibitions is our focus on Arab citizens of Israel. My hope is that it's sort of slowly chipping away at people's very understanding of what a Jewish festival is. I realize I'm going on a little bit with this answer, but to me, something that I find interesting when you mention, you know, you wish and and we have the same exact yearning that you look around and it was younger, it was less white, it was more diverse. But again, that takes time. Let's talk about the festival part of festivals. What do you think gets enhanced for the audience when they see films within a festival? I think there, there's a lot you get out of it. The first and foremost is the same thing you get when going out to the cinema. And I couldn't put more of a plug for seeing films the way they're meant to be seen, which is on a big screen communally. Um, And I certainly, on a personal level, understand the temptation of Netflix or of sitting at home with Hulu. And I think they have their place. When you have the flu, they're fabulous. Right. When you have the flu, they're fabulous. If you're binging a TV show, I think they're fabulous. But I think there's something genuine that you get to seeing something communally. And it's the ability to experience a film with community to have a conversation with them afterwards, to share your opinions, to hear their gasps, to hear their laughter, depending on what's in there. And I think that coupled with seeing something the way it was intended by the artist. So so that's first and foremost, but that doesn't differentiate us from seeing a film in a regal. I think the other thing that you get in a film festival is a few things. First of all, you get the curators um, who have put together a strand of films that you may or may not like, but there is some serious thought going into how they're coupled together. And it's what we began talking about, about what makes a film Jewish. So you're getting that curation. Many times you're getting a conversation that's also curated for you in the way of having a filmmaker, having a Q&A, having a panel. Sometimes with us and many other festivals, there are other ancillary programs um, in our case, it could be anything from as silly and fun as a bar crawl where you're watching short films, which I love, or, you know, a tour of a Jewish American military history museum. So we're sort of building these experiences for you, providing you all of those opportunities and really elements that go beyond the screen. And that's actually what we call our programming is beyond the screen programming um, of how can you take this with you? How can you push it one step further? Um, and if it captivates you and it engages you, it animates you in some way, you know, what is your next step? And I think that's where the curatorial through line is. If you want to learn more about the Jewish community, great. I have 120 events for you. But if you want to learn more about diaspora Judaism, we still have 15. If you want to learn more about 
Middle East Judaism minus Israel, we still have five films for you. And so if you're interested in in the Jews of Baghdad, and there are two films for you right there. And again, I think that's the curatorial, that's the festival voice, and that's the sort of full breadth of the Jewish experience that we'd like to bring to the fore. The amount of coordination, you have the artistic hat. Mm -hmm. You have to have an organizational hat because organizing this is monumental. Mm -hmm. And you need a business hat. Mm -hmm. What juggling? It's absolutely juggling. I mean, it's certainly, you know, we we have a year-round staff. We have seasonal staff. We have a council. We have many really dedicated donors, supporters, advisors. Like any event, I think, of this scale, scope, and quite honestly, ambition, there are a lot more people working behind the scenes than I think the casual viewer might realize. Um, I think a lot of the question that I used to get a lot, and I'm actually very happy to get less and less of as time goes on, is I would run to people in theater and say, "Oh, great! You know, what are you what are you doing once you're done with this? What are you doing next month? Are you doing another film festival? Are you doing something else?" And we we do have a year-round program that we run, but we spend a good portion of the year, you know, really immediately once one festival is over. We have four year-round staff. A lot of them are dealing with, you know, all of the nuts and bolts. But it, it is really quite an intensive project. Uh, there are a lot of stakeholders. Um, there's a lot of communication. And there's a lot of planning that goes into everything from the slotting of the films to the technology behind the scenes to make sure everything plays. And there's a lot of sort of non-glorious behind-the-scenes churning and administrative activity that we don't want the casual viewer to be thinking about because you only are thinking about it when it's not working. You're only thinking about mics not working or subtitles not looking good or the sound not sounding in full surround when a mistake happens. We don't want you thinking, oh, it's so great this has surround sound the way it's intended to. <laughs> uh, but that, that all takes doing. And there's also a whole host of volunteers. I was and about to say the and, unsung heroes. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, we have you know hundreds, literally, of volunteer shifts uh, that are filled by people that are giving of their time, of their energy. I imagine. I would have to imagine you've always been a film lover. That is true. Were your parents film buffs? Did you grow up going to the movies? To a degree. I grew up in an artistic household. My dad is a photographer by trade and passion, so I was always around the arts. They would bring me to museums. My mom is now a computer scientist, but had many former lives as an accomplished pianist, as an actress. Um, They met actually at an art school. Uh, I grew up in the former USSR in Odessa, what's modern day Ukraine. And they're they're both, you know, great fans of the arts, even though my mom is no longer doing it for a career. So I think I certainly get that from them. Was film specific? I came to a little bit later. I was always a fan, but I I went to school for art history and thought I would work more in the visual art, painting, sculpture, that sort of thing. And when I had a job in a museum in San Francisco, it was my first job out of college, I found the art incredible and I found the institution, nothing against that particular museum, but the institution of museums to be a little bit at odds with the way that I was hoping art would be experienced. The way a lot of people interacted with the art was very standoffish. There was this air of, I think, respect, and there was a real distance between art that moved and art that was sort of appreciated, but from far away, without actually moving you, without actually engaging you, without making you question, without tapping into your emotions, which I think is what the greatest art does and what those very artists in that museum had intended and I think did beautifully. 
And at the same time, I started interning at nights with the San Francisco International Film Festival. And I think that juxtaposition has stayed with me throughout. And the juxtaposition played out, you know, you could disagree with the filmmaker. You can go out to a drink with him afterwards. You could engage with your fellow audience member and say, you know, I didn't understand why they did this or I loved when they did that. And there was a, a genuine conversation and it was so much more accessible in part because by nature, film is a very accessible medium. I actually think for the most part, a great film, you can appreciate at a level the same as someone that's gone through years and years of schooling. And I think there's something incredibly democratizing about that and incredibly accessible. And I think it's woven into the nature of what film is in a way that is is harder to get in institutions like museums. And again, I could be totally wrong and I don't want to, you know, I go to museums, I appreciate them. Um, but I think there's something really special to the way film interacts, to the way that we experience it with everything we were talking about earlier, you know, on a large screen, letting the image wash over you with the way that it's both narrative and abstract at the same time. Um, I think there's a lot of beauty to the art form, but I also think there's a lot to not having to come in with a tremendous amount of knowledge. Knowledge always helps you get a deeper context, but I think film is incredibly democratic in that way that you can learn so much that you don't necessarily feel intimidated. If you watch a great documentary, you didn't have to know as much about the subject matter beforehand. It'll explain that to you. It'll contextualize it to you. And the same with a great narrative, and I think that's tougher in other art forms, personally. You worked at night at this film festival, and, and were you taken with the whole festival concept right away as well? Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I was in the marketing department doing, you know, really the most basic, like, you know, using the copier a lot. And um, it wasn't that the work I was doing was particularly engaging, but it was exactly what you mentioned. It was I saw what the festival was the way it delivered arts people, the way people were able to question and engage, and it just felt very alive. And I sort of quickly became obsessed with it. I took my entire vacation, which was very little at the time. I was an entry-level job at a museum and took it off during the time of the festival. And during the festival, I would go into their offices in the morning and I would you know, do whatever work was assigned to me. I was an intern. Um, and then every night I would watch the movies and every night after the movies I would, you know, go out with the staff, the filmmakers, whoever I could find and talk about the movies and I barely slept. I would get up the next morning and for me it was this incredible euphoric state and, you know, as a non-drug user myself, I get the sense that it's a sort of high that people chase. I felt like I was chasing it afterwards at other festivals and there was something incredible to seeing film after film after film and having these discussions and perhaps also being sleep deprived. But I really felt immersed in it. And I felt immersed in conversations about what mattered in the world. And, and that was exciting. And it took me out of kind of everyday routine life. And I think that's one of the great things that art can do when it's working. I'm curious about audiences. You've directed film festivals, Jewish film festivals in San Francisco, New York, and now Washington, D.C., do you see differences in the audiences in the three cities? I do. Um, I want to make a small correction. I didn't direct the festivals in those other cities, but I worked for them. Okay. Um, but yeah, there, there are definitely differences. What I really discovered, I think, is exactly what's unique about D.C. audiences. First of all, D.C. has incredible cultural institutions and Smithsonian's and people uh, doing much more grassroots art and has a history of the arts. But additionally, I think the audiences here are incredibly insightful and incredibly knowledgeable in a way that, not that 
an occasional person in New York or San Francisco wouldn't come up with a great question. But something that has floored me time and time again in D.C. is you can show a film about the smallest possible, most esoteric possible topic, and somebody will inevitably raise their hand in the audience and say, oh, I've worked on that topic, or I've worked in this village at NGO for 15 years, or I wrote my thesis on it. Um, and here's a really well thought out question about it. And even when not, I mean, in part because of how educated the society is, in part because of how diverse it is, and I think the caliber of that inquisitiveness, we really get questions about the heart of the films and um, the heart of the art and, and the heart of the matter. And to me, that's, that's wonderful. Five years down the road, where would you like to see this film festival? I think a lot of it's what we've been talking about. I mean, the diversity is, is, is front of my mind in, in every sense. I mean, I'd love to see us still be what I believe we have become, which is really at the vanguard of what original voices are out there. And so it's continuing to be a platform for up-and-coming filmmakers, filmmakers that are taking a chance visually, that are taking a chance with their narrative style. Um, there are films we book that we know are going to be challenging for audiences, and I take great pride in that. Uh, but it's tough. I mean, when you're talking about having the business hat on, it's not great for business. Um, there are films we book that are more experimental in nature. In nature. We had a film this year called The Starry Sky, um, which premiered at Slamdance, and then we were, I think, the second place, and definitely the East Coast premiere where it played. It didn't get a lot of play because it's a challenging film and actually asks the audience to kind of bear with the film, and I think for good reason, but it's a very different experience. Um, these are tough films, and I think I pride our uh, myself and our festival on the ability to show this, and I would like to see us maintain that in the years to come. Um, and I think there's a lot of innovation happening very broadly in the film industry, and I'd like to see us be one of the places in D.C. that's at the forefront of providing a space for those films to be shown. Um, in terms of our audiences, it's diversity in terms of what you're saying. I'd like us in every way, shape, and form to be representative of the D.C. community. We're definitely not there. When I say it's that kind of lengthy process, five years is a pretty lengthy time, so I would hope we're certainly closer to it than we are today. Okay, Ilya, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and thank you for giving the city this great film festival and keeping it going. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate You're it. welcome. That's Ilya Tovbis. He's director of the Washington Jewish Film Festival. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. You can subscribe to Artworks wherever you get your podcasts, so please do. And if you're so inclined, leave us a rating on Apple. It does help people to find us. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening. Thank you.